Hey, welcome to the I Got You Sense podcast. This is Jesus Pereira, a.k.a. Jesus, Director of Veteran Services for the City of Holyoke. And with me, I have Natalia. Munoz, News Director for Holyoke Media. Hey, Jesus. What? What did you think of that este, big deal that was made at the former Holyoke Soldiers Home where the oh, governor came, the man. lieutenant governor, the congressman, well, the it, mayor, everybody? It was... Uh, a show of force. It even was the builder came. Even the builder was there. Everyone <laughs> was there. Um, you know, unfortunately, I, I mean, fortunately, we, there's going to be a new uh, veterans home built in Holyoke. Uh, we're no longer calling it a soldier's home. It was renamed the veterans home, uh, the veterans home in Holyoke. And there's a veterans home in Chelsea. Um, I'm happy for the groundbreaking. I'm glad it happened. I, it's been a long time coming. But the story behind the story that I think a lot of people haven't heard or known about is that, you know, we think that issues were being pointed out during COVID. No, the, the issues with the soldier's home or the veteran's home uh, now uh, predates that for years, for years. And this is politics 101, man, politics 101. So um, I don't want to take away from the fact that we do have a new facility coming into place, uh, adult day healthcare, 240 something beds. that will be there available, um, which is a great asset for this region. Although, even though it's a, it's a state, uh, asset, right? Like anybody from the state can apply to go there as long as you're a veteran, but, um, it's a big impact for us here locally because it gives us an, another healthcare option for veterans. And uh, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is, like, there's two veterans' homes in Massachusetts, right? There's one in Chelsea and one in, in Holyoke. And they people think that they're kind of the same thing. You would think that they are because they're veterans' home, right? They're not? Not at all. Not at all. Um, when we compare the two facilities, you know, you have the veterans' home in Holyoke and the veterans' home in Chelsea. And the one in Chelsea does predominantly a lot of DOM services, so housing what is dom like domiciliary okay right so they, they have like dorms set up for mm-hmm. for folks looking for a place to live and i think that the majority of their services are around that so let's think about this you have a building where able-bodied uh, ambulatory folks are living because they have housing issues and needs the cost to provide services for them is um x right we're in holyoke we have a totally different setup where the majority of what we're doing is healthcare-based stuff, long-term care, memory care. And what's happening in Leeds? There's a VA in Leeds. What well, VA in Leeds is not a state-run facility. What is it? Or, so it's federal. Uh-huh. So the soldier's home and the veteran's home in Holyoke, that's a state facility that belongs to the Executive Office of Veteran Services. Um, but getting back to Holyoke, we provide more, I guess, medical type of services we had like 30 or 40 rooms for, for DOM services over the years, but that just got recently um, removed because the new soldier's home that's going up, or the new veteran's home, is going to take up that space. It's going to be right where the DOM services used to be. Okay. I, I, I still want to know, like, if you're a veteran, yep. do you call Leeds or do you call este Chelsea? And do you call Holyoke? Who do you call if, you, if you're, you know... Your family member says, "My, you know, my parent is in need of services." Well, both medical. That depends on the, the the family member, the veteran themselves, and their qualifications. So, for instance, if the veteran is service connected, has a disability because of service, and they're seventy percent or greater rated disabled, they can actually go to any uh, retirement home or healthcare facility, and the VA would pay for it. 
mm-hmm. more so retirement homes. Because we're talking about typically like long, like end, end of life help towards, the, you know, the, it's not so much hospice, but it's, you're getting there because the people who are eligible to go into the state home, right, the veterans home, um, they're selected by the severity of their illnesses. So the more severe they are, they get put on the top of the list. Well, who gets this. to go to the VA in Leeds versus? So VA in Leeds, I would say, is a outpatient type care. There's no really long-term care there. They do have mental health there on site. So if you had to do um, like a mental health uh, uh, inpatient program, they have some there. Uh, but you wouldn't go there for long-term health care. Mm-hmm. So that's and that's a challenge. And a lot of the um, outpatient care is being you know, contracted out mm-hmm. to either local veterans homes or, or retirement homes. The image I had, remember when they were shoveling the the, the dirt? <laughs> the dirt that got yeah. brought into place. Yes. Yeah, that was brought in for the governor and yeah. everybody else to shovel, you know, to symbolize their breaking ground. Sure. There was a part of me, Jesus, that thought that's the dirt that's covering up what led to this situation. Because, as you know, there are still two people who are facing the charges, the former superintendent and the medical doctor. Right. And... For all we know, this has been dragging on so long that eventually it could almost get forgotten and then nobody is has to face justice for well, the deaths. Well, you know, there's a long story here that goes back. It predates my existence in the veteran services world. My very first experience with the, the veterans home, even though I was a Hoyaker, was um, I got my first job as the director of veteran services for Ludlow. And uh, Paul Barabani was the superintendent at the time. And uh, he invited myself and my town manager up to visit the facility because we, we as veteran service officers, we refer people to these services. So we wanted to see what we were getting people into. And Paul was very accommodating and walked me around. And the one thing that stuck out to me is that while we were touring the facility, you would go into rooms and it would have, think about big gurneys, you know, like two, three, like mostly like three or four in a room. It's four people in a room, and you can barely get between them. And the only privacy they really had was maybe maybe a curtain. And when you think about that, it's like there's no dignity in that. And also, what does that say for like transmitting diseases between each other, right, or viruses as, as you get ill? So I remember Paul Barabani getting put on the hot plate for speaking up. He's like, this isn't how you want to run a, a veteran's home. We also want to make sure that we're funded properly because, as we discussed earlier, Chelsea does a lot of DOM services. Holyoke does a lot more healthcare services. The dollar per person per care was more in Holyoke, but they were receiving less by the state uh, funding programs. So that was a big challenge with, with his administration. But he wasn't silent about it. And over the years, he actually, quite frankly, grew a coalition of people that supported him, including myself, uh, to contact the, the governor's office and contact the, at the time, Department of Veterans Services and talk about these things. And quite frankly, at some point, the reality is this. He was muted. You know, they wanted him to stay quiet. They didn't want to raise the... the Who's uh, they? Uh, I would say members of the Department of Veterans Services, maybe the governor's office. You know, someone in the legislative body above us. And why would they uh, have a greater interest in covering up versus, oh, let's make this better? Well, I think at the time, 
and I'm going back to when he was sort of pointing out the, the is issues. This the 90s, the 2000s, oh, the early 2000s? Er, no, this is talking about 70s? 2015, <laughs> no, 2016. Oh, okay. This is his time frame in there. Okay. Um, like and, 10 years ago, right, more or less. Right. I think that whole thing was, was a money thing. We don't want to increase budgets. We don't want to spend more money on this. You know, I think so from being in, in local government, we talk about funding all the time. And when I watch bills go through in the state in the state house, it's like I watch all sorts of things happen. And a lot of it is like, oh, we don't want to increase that particular line item right now. Mm -hmm. And that's not that's not great. Mm -hmm. That doesn't do anything for us. Um, mm -hmm. So basically he was muted um, at the time. He had a. Um, his right-hand man, which is uh, John Paradis, uh, was a retired light colonel. I think Paul Barabani was a light colonel, a Fulbright colonel. I apologize to both of them for not remembering their ranks. So, mm -hmm. But um, very intelligent folks who uh, were no-nonsense, very direct about what was good and what was bad. Now, you fast-forward, Paul Barabani gets replaced. There's a political appointment of uh, Walsh. Um, and, you know, I think throughout his tenure veteran service officers try to read out, reach out to them uh, because we, we get phone calls all the time from staff members, family members. We get calls from uh, employees about what's going on in there, you know, manda mandatory overtime and morale in the, the home being difficult. And we had multiple uh, conversations with people who would tell us about these things going on. And we looked and reached out to the Department of Veteran Services to speak to someone up there, but we got rerouted to the superintendent, mm -hmm. Mr. Walsh. And uh, the day that we met, he was not happy. He was mm -hmm. physically upset that he was sitting there talking to the veteran service officers about his facility mm -hmm. and what was going on, um, which was... Because he didn't know what was going on and it became like news to him? I don't, I don't think that was news to him. He knew that there was challenges, but I think he, he himself was having challenges with the Department of Veteran Services mm -hmm. and, and, his, and his staffing. So it was like a big mess between... See, the way the Department of Veterans Services was a department, it wasn't an executive office. So mm -hmm. the Depart Department of Veterans Services reports to the Executive Office of Health and Human Services. Mm -hmm. So that created this long chain of people that the superintendent had to get to mm -hmm. to get decisions made, mm -hmm. right? Although he's the one that makes the decision, but of course he's not going to pull the trigger on big ones without mm -hmm. uh, reaching up. Although when it came time to deal with the, the outbreak of the coronavirus, you know, mm -hmm. they ended up putting two wards of uh, groups of people together, some infected, some not, which ended up infecting more people, which is why there's a lawsuit today. Yeah, and I'm trying to, um, I'm curious of what was the thinking behind putting people who are infected with people who are not infected in the same room? Was there some logic that... So I think the logic that I that I came to understand is that uh, because of the outbreak, there was a, a lack in staffing. Mm -hmm. So we have less people to uh, do rounds than you consolidate the population. So mm -hmm. you have less places to go with, mm -hmm. with less staff. Uh, maybe in, in a war scenario, that makes sense, but not in a, not in a hospital or healthcare facility, mm -hmm. um, especially when you're talking about a, a, a disease that was killing people. Right. Um, and, 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 I know, and, and to be fair, too, like the Holyoke Veterans Home, Soldiers Home, was not the only veterans home in the United States that had an outbreak. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that we see it locally as local news. As a matter of fact, it wasn't the only institution. Like there was tons of healthcare institutions that had this problem. There's a lot of uh, re retirement homes that oh, had yeah. this problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this, this existed across the board. Yeah, we're talking about this because, one, always to remember the people who died 
the veterans who died. Right. Uh, mercy, Leslie. There was no mercy for them. No, no. And then also because there was this whole, you know, uh, what is it? Show, dog pony show the other day, breaking yeah. ground, and everybody needs to speak and thank everybody. And then I was just, I was covering it for Holyoke Media. And then I, you know, cool, whatever, everybody can talk. But when the guy who's the builder got to speak, it was like, okay, yeah. is his dog going to speak next? <laughs> it's just, and then I thought, where's Jesus? He's a veteran, he's the veteran services director for Holyoke. He should be where we all can see him. He should be in that line of the important people that made this happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't like sitting in the limelight. Um, I was literally all the way in the back with uh, Steve Connor, who's yeah. the director of veteran services yeah. for uh, uh, Northampton in, in the Hampshire County uh, yeah. District. I understand, um, but but him and I, there's a bunch of us to have. We've been we've been we've been a part and active in different coalitions and. Um, in concentration groups that we talk about and, and, and engage with our legislators about the problems that we're having. Yeah. So like yeah. even, even the change in governance mm -hmm. of the soldiers home, mm -hmm. that was a, a sticking point with one of our members of our coalition. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, there was a lot of us advocating well, in the this background. Is what I mean, you're important people in this process also. And instead it was just like the obvious, you sure. know, the people and who got you the money. The ones who, <laughs> who didn't want to give us the money to begin with. Right. So the people let's who, be clear who about wanna, that. They're speaking up because they're running for office again and they want money. <laughs> now, having said that, I can I think that, for instance, I thought Richie Neal spoke beautifully. He, he kept yes, he his does. speech short. Yep. He spoke beautifully, on point. John Velas, the senator, yep. I thought he was amazing also. Este, and eh, who else? Who else was amazing for you? Um, so Senator Velas always sticks out to me because he's someone who is prior service mm -hmm. has been open about struggles in life with, mm -hmm. uh, at least us and mm -hmm. sometimes publicly. Mm -hmm. Um, he's just a real person. Yeah. And you know, uh, there's times I call him or his, or his assistants and they pick up and they talk and then we have the conversations of mm -hmm. things. So anytime that he speaks, um, he, for me, it definitely, um, uh, makes me happy and, and, and I appreciate him for taking the time to, you know, converse with, you know, what, what I feel like someone like me, right? Just an yeah. employee of a city. Um, for me, I see a good Democrat, you know, yeah. he's not this woke Democrat. We spoke about yeah. that on one of our podcasts, yeah. you know, so woke that he's oppressive. He's a good Democrat. He's yeah. what we want. He wants somebody with a heart, the soul, with a brain, uh, who's practical, who works on building coalitions, not yeah. on calling people out for being this, that, uh, or this a thing. bunch yeah. of idiots. No, um, he sticks out the most to me. I mean, sorry, Josh. I mean, Josh is a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me a shout out in front of everybody. Uh, he, yeah. The only one, which was yeah. nice. That was lovely. Um, uh, he had a great speech too. But, oh, yeah. But uh, it's like Josh produces so many great speeches, or at least he delivers them well. I don't know if, yeah. he, if he writes them himself. Uh -huh. I'm not really sure, but his, mm -hmm. his delivery is amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, that's impressive. But, I, yeah. but he gets to practice that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at this point a lot. So, yeah. But yeah, John's someone that sticks out to me quite a bit. Um, there were good speakers. And, you know, Pat, Pat. Duffy. Pat Duffy is always just so um, full of vitality and, and honor. And yeah, she's uh, the daughter of a World War II veteran. Yeah, so, yeah. 
No, she's been a good ally too. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're lucky currently. We have a good climate for, for assistance in the veteran services world. But it's like everybody, and they're all good. This was this is the point I'm, I'm making. They're all really great. Yeah. But then it all got shoveled under the dirt of, okay, uh, out of you know this terrible thing, something beautiful is going to arise. A new state-of-the-art building, right. blah, 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 blah. Okay, and... How are we going to make sure? Because it's not necessarily just buildings that are sick. No. Policies can be sick. Policies. Outdated. Yep. How are we going to make sure for the next pandemic that even in this spanking new building, this sort of thing won't happen again? Well, I mean, there's a big reality. Like, we need to make sure that we're taking care of, when we say people, I mean people, the employees as well. But you were advocating for that the whole time. And so were other veteran directors. And but you didn't have authority over Walsh right. este, to say, okay, right. Walsh, step aside. This is how it gets done. Right. So you you were an advocate and still people died. Sure. How do we do it so it doesn't happen again? Well, I mean, in all honesty, I always believe that government's very reactive, mm-hmm. right? Because prior to the, prior to the death, uh, during the pandemic, when we were discussing the new soldier's home, which we already had, not we, but there was already applications to get $160 million from the VA to help offset some of the cost. So the federal government was going to give us money to offset the cost for the, the construction. The conversation prior to the pandemic was no, because we already have a, a veteran's home going up in Chelsea, and we're our, that's where our funding is going right now. We don't have the capacity to get more money to go build another home. Well, shit, a bunch of people died. Guess what we got? A whole bunch of money to build a new home. Right. And that's what it took. So why does it, why is it that? I don't understand. Like, why did, why is there this tendency? Wait till the shit hits the fan and then we're going to find money that was there the whole time. I think people just lack, everyone's focused on their political careers and, and not focused on doing the right thing. Because you have like everybody that said, you know, I pledge allegiance and everybody's like a Memorial Day, you know, yeah. this, that. I, you know, I more and more, I think, Jesus, with respect, I feel like very few people put money where their mouth is. That's very true. few people do that. That's true. And I, who are in the position to put money. Yeah, and this is why I always say uh, it's going to take another catastrophe for people to start appreciating public service. Yeah. You know, and we saw that with the soldiers' home. We saw that was, And then you have said this, and then John Vila said this also, Less than one uh, half yeah, of one percent of one percent are people in public service in this country serving in any of the military yeah. branches. Yeah. I mean, never mind stupid space force. <laughs> you know, like, that's that's gonna be hilarious. But <laughs> that, Trump's stupid idea. But um, that says so much about this country, about the entitlement in general that people feel in this country. That uh, I don't have to do that. No, I don't want to do that. So I'm not gonna do that. Right. And when the shit hits the fan, oh, okay, you go do that. <laughs> yeah, you go do it. <laughs> not interested. You go protect my rights, please. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's a real thing. I'm gonna have to agree with you that with that quite a bit. I don't know what what to say about that. Um, we 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 made this. What do you mean? We made the culture that we have now. I'm all, like we are, as people are responsible for how we behave as a community as a society like we are creating the norms and the not norms and then those who are like you have folks who just don't like to engage in 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 conflict right so you know 
but you need someone to do that because you need someone to engage in conversation and start mm-hmm. opening up these conversations. It's like when someone comes at me with X idea, I'm going to ask why. Mm-hmm. Why do you believe that? Well, because of this particular situation that happened. Well, how often does that particular situation happen? Well, once every 10 years. Well, is that a good frequency? Is that a bad frequency? What's the real impact to our community? What's the long-term impact? But my view is that for veterans, there is nothing that they should want. Absolutely yeah. nothing. That includes my car broke down. Okay, we're going to get you another car until you get your car mm-hmm. fixed. Oh, mm-hmm. you need help with getting your car fixed? Because to have the, the courage to serve, even if there isn't like an ongoing war going on that you know, you know you're going to be you know, shipped out, but there could be. That's what happened after 9-11. Right, right. And then you go and you come back and you go again and you come back and you go again. And there were all those issues that there weren't support services for these yeah. veterans coming back after all they had done and seen. Este, that's, that is, and, and every time a president, you know, they put the wreath at the Arlington yeah. Cemetery. Yeah. And I just, I, I feel like I vomit in my mouth. Yeah. Because it's not true. Yeah, I feel like, so... We always call these things, you know, dog and pony shows, mm-hmm. right? It's just pop and circumstance. It's mm-hmm. just, it's ceremonial. Mm-hmm. And and I know as I look at people up there mm-hmm. that I've had certain conversations with those people. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't too long ago where they were like, well, the veteran population in Massachusetts is, is decreasing. We don't see the need mm-hmm. to create a new veterans home in Holyoke. <laughs> Meanwhile, out of that same mouth, I am watching them shower everyone with accolades and how yeah. great we did about yeah. getting this money and this yeah. and that yeah. when that mouth not too yeah. long ago was saying we we don't we don't project the need oh and i it's can't like, wait to know what that mouth is after <laughs> we go off the air sorry people there's certain <laughs> things that are state secrets <laughs> yeah but uh but but that doesn't take into account uh people who may move to massachusetts that are veterans it doesn't take into account another conflict right what are the odds that we're never going to have another conflict in the next 20 years we're gonna have we're having conflicts right now. Right. So So we're producing veterans. I mean, but maybe then what's not the, same the what's the culture among elected officials that they 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 talk the talk, they don't walk the walk. Elected officials from presidents to you know, federal senators and congress people and I'm I'm not dissing Congressman Neal. I think he has shown up. Yeah. Este, but there are others. I mean there's there's, there's, there's this guy, I don't know what his name is. Uh, I can't remember his name, from Alabama. He's holding up money. Oh, uh, I haven't been watching the news. Oh, yeah, save yourself. <laughs> nothing to see here. It's all awful. It's all awful. Well, I think that, I mean, if there's any message that I can ever share with anyone is that um, sometimes we we think in very innocent ways. We don't believe that people can be malicious. But let me assure you that they are. There are absolutely people out there, especially elected officials, who play the game. How do I get on the correct side of the veteran vote? How do I get on the correct side of the minority vote? How do I get on the correct side of whatever vote they're looking for? And they're strategic about how they sell themselves mm-hmm. to get a vote, and then they get in. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to serve your interest. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. It's a manipulation of... Isn't of, the human race a bum out? Sometimes, yeah. Okay, when isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you see extraordinary acts of bravery yes. or kindness. yes. Uh, thank you for reminding yeah, us. Yeah, that happens. Well, it happens quite a bit. Thank you for reminding you know. I guess I think my, my comment comes from, I think elected officials as a whole body are 
ineffective. And because how is it that in 2023, what are we in? August? Yeah. There, you know, for instance, our health insurance here is going to go up by 20%. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Massachusetts has a, the insurance commissioner. How did that commissioner allow insurance companies to go up by that much? So this is where, and that's a great, great point because people don't pay attention to the legislative branch of government. Mm-hmm. They pay attention to the executive. They're always worried about the freaking president or the mm-hmm. mayor or the mm-hmm. town manager. Who gives a shit? They're, right. they're in and out in a couple of years. Yeah. The people longstanding sitting in Congress, yeah. those are the people you have to worry about. Yeah. And look at what the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. Because instead of spending $2 trillion over here, mm-hmm. they could have offset the medical cost over there. Mm-hmm. And if you're not aware of where these where this money's going, then you're screwing yourself. Right. And that's where we, I think, like everyone just really misses misses the mark on that. Yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, there used to be this organization called the National Priorities Project, and they would look at the federal budget and see, okay, and break it down so that you know, the average person like you and me could then open the book and say, oh, look at um, uh, Massachusetts paid this much towards the military that went towards these things in the military. And that means that each of us in Massachusetts who's a taxpayer paid this much. It wasn't about being anti-military. It was about look how much money we spend here. Right. And we have these other very important. Sure. Isn't it like healthcare and education and military? I mean. I, I would say and that the roads. What, what yeah, I would say healthcare. Um, well, military always takes. I think the, the top budget, education and healthcare is probably up there next. Um, yeah, it, this is all bananas to me. I think people don't realize. Let me go by the when the soldiers' home, the now veterans' home, mm-hmm. was the the stand. There was a standalone bill by the governor mm-hmm. that came out. We're gonna. Go ahead and we're going to go borrow this money to build this veterans home standalone it just had to go through a loan well there's a there's a session there there's an opportunity for the public to come and ex- express their opinion on it and there was one of the nonprofit organization veteran nonprofit organization who didn't um agree with the bill as written and usually that's code for like there's something in there i don't like i want to add something and so they had one of their legislators add to this standalone bill a half a million dollar payment to this organization soldier on <laughs> no close no but it wasn't them um so now that they're, they're hijacking a bill right that needed to get done by a certain time because we needed there was a deadline for the uh federal application for the mm-hmm. grant and they knew that this had to get through mm-hmm. so this organization attached a five hundred thousand dollar addition mm-hmm. uh to provide like equal opportunity of housing in the state. Mm-hmm. That's, it was like, what the hell does housing have to do with healthcare or this veterans home that we're doing? And why does it cost half a million dollars? Well, when you read the original bill, mm-hmm. and this is why I'm trying to explain this to everyone. The original bill, uh, when they first put the languages was mm-hmm. to cover a deficit in their housing program. So this organization oh. was running short on their program but you know what you see in the final bill that actually got through that passed all this not that not that language Uh uh-huh not that language it says for their housing program instead of no no i understand not to fill the gap right deficit right so when you start following bills man it opens up your eyes but so the lawmakers themselves must have seen oh this is why you need this because you have a 
financial concern and not to downplay the concern or make it seem something nefarious, you know, things happen. But how come, how can you have a half million dollar deficit in your budget? And then you expect the state to pay, uh, bail you out. Right. So isn't there supposed to be some sort of process of, well, how did you get that deficit? What happened? Well, that's the question. The question becomes, had they filed this as a separate bill or an mm-hmm. omnibus with some, mm-hmm. with some other stuff, mm-hmm. would have made it through? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Because your agency is obviously mm-hmm. not great with money. Mm-hmm. And it was a strategic plan to put it on this particular bill because this one had to get through. Oh, man. So once you start seeing that stuff, you realize, like, there's some nefarious players out there. There are people who are absolutely. And then, you know, when I see the, the, the veterans, especially the older veterans, yeah. you know, who volunteered, were drafted and volunteered. Like there was a draft and they also volunteered. Some of them, a friend of mine's father lied. He was 16 oh and he, God. yeah, he got in the World War II. You know, he was just like, oh, no, they're not going to mess with us. That's it. And. And then you don't get the good services. Well, you don't get the, you don't, you're like, it's almost like the whole COVID thing. Oh, what, the heroes who work in the hospitals and the healthcare centers and the supermarkets, yeah. these are heroes. Then why aren't the heroes getting paid super well? That's true. Why is Wall Street getting paid super well, but the heroes aren't? Well, there's, there's, some, there's some truth to that. And then our warriors are just like amazing, but then they don't get the respect that they deserve. That they die without mercy. Because uh, who, the first superintendent, he tried to bring attention to this. He did the right things. He built a coalition. But the powers that be shut him down. Yeah. Imagine for someone like him to get shut down, representing veterans. Yeah. You can only imagine how other marginalized communities get shut down. Oh, 100%. It's like veterans are marginalized communities. Yeah. So also. The, which is why I personally like... I. I, I took a liking to Paul Barabani from the day that I met him because mm-hmm. he was a no bullshit kind of guy. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, this is what's going on. These mm-hmm. are the problems. He wasn't trying to sugarcoat anything. Mm-hmm. He wasn't using $5 words to make it sound less, less, mm-hmm. you know, insignificant. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just straight out. And mm-hmm. so, and for me, whether I agree with you or not, mm-hmm. if you're someone who's a straight shooter, I have a lot of respect for you. Yeah. You know, and Paul Barabani was that guy. Yeah. Where is he now? Uh, retired, okay. <laughs> okay. retired, living his life, uh, him and his wife traveling. And, and he has been proven right. Oh yeah. He was there. He showed up. Yeah. He, he wasn't invited, but he was, he showed up. He wasn't invited. <laughs> yeah. You see, this is what I mean. he wasn't invited. He started talking about this before, before was anybody. Yeah. 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 And there I should think, be a plaque there. I think it's, it's, an, it's, it's unfortunate because I think when they see him or John Paradis, they see them as, and sometimes maybe myself as an adversary to what's going on at the soldiers home currently. And we're not, we're not at You're all advocates. We're advocates. We want to make sure yeah. that, you know, whatever's happening there is for the best interest yeah. of the veteran and their families, yeah. which, you know, comes to a point like when they pass the new, the different laws about the soldiers home or the veterans home, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they talked about, you know, they needed an ombudsman. Mm-hmm. So an advocate, a patient yeah. advocate. Basically. Oh yeah. I met her. Yeah. Well, prior to her, mm-hmm. MJ Sorrell. Yeah. Prior to her, they had uh, an ombudsman contracted out of the uh, mass elder care, which I think is a better idea. This is why. The current ombudsman works for who? The Executive Office of Veteran Services. Mm -hmm. Who runs the building? The Executive Office of Veteran Services. So when she has to uh, deal with conflicts with inpatients and treatment uh, Mm -hmm. ideas, Mm -hmm. she needs to bump heads with 
her higher ups. Basically, you know, we should invite her for your next podcast. What do you think? We can probably do MJ's that. and and ask these questions about that delicate dance that ombudsman. I'll make a do. prediction right now that it would be pro state, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was no there'll be no free talking. <laughs> okay, I don't think we would get a free conversation. I think we would get something that's more aligned with. Uh, no, I know MJ. She yeah. married me a million years ago. <laughs> no, she's rad. She's rad. She's a radical. So she speaks the truth, is what I'm saying. It's uh, a radical thing to speak the truth. It is. It seems so. Isn't that something? Yeah. And if she would ever get flack for that, I would defend her 100%. Yeah. No, she's, she's, she's serious. She's, she, she knows what she's doing. I like the abutment position. I don't like it that it's employed by the Executive Office of Veteran Services. It seems like a conflict of interest. <laughs> it's exactly that, what it is. Then her yeah. job could be on the line. For which, bring, for being the messenger of so yeah, and we've seen that behavior before in our state governments, right? When Paul Barabani was there, yeah, so right, yeah. So, so what's going to be different? Exa- well, well, we can ask her what can, what gives you assurances that your job is safe. Sure. Can I tell you a story about Maura Healy? Yes. So I'm sitting down, you know, because I got foot issues, and I'm sitting down in that front row, right in front of the podium, and I asked, I said, I, you know, I need to sit down and. The press girl said, okay, you're here. So I'm there sitting down with my camera. I got a bunch of veterans to my left. Finally, you know how everything starts late. Maura Healy shows up. She looks at me square in the eyes, turns her head and says, oh, what an honor to meet you to the veteran next to me. (laughs) And she's like, well, I'm chopped liver. I'm chopped liver. You don't know me. My father was also a veteran. I'm here from the media, from local media. Say hi to me, too. I mean, it doesn't have to be an honor to meet me, but you can say hi. Right. <laughs> well, it is an honor to meet you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. It's an honor to meet you, too. But you know what I mean? It was like, I was totally, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, you, you were just, you know, you were blind in their eyes. Like, you were just something that they walked by. It That's happens right. It happens to me quite a bit. Isn't that something? It happens to me a lot. I was there that whole time, and people walked right by me a bunch of times until yeah. someone introduces me, and now you get a line of people who want to shake your hand. Yeah. It's like, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. And I get yeah. that a lot. And this yeah. is where... Yeah. Where when people are disingenuous with me, mm-hmm. like that sticks in the back of my yeah. mind. I remember. Yeah. It's like, no, you're just an ass kisser. Yeah. You only care because it's going to suit you. That's you know? right. So I, I, I keep a, a log. And there's a lot of that. No, I know. And, but, the, but when it happens in, in a department that is so fundamentally, este, should not be tainted at all by politics, yeah. such as taking care of our veterans. Yeah. It really is disheartening to see politics being played dancing on the graves of these veterans who died and then making a big like you know it was um john Vilas, the senator who said yeah this is joyful it's also a, a, a somber moment i think congressman neil said the same thing yeah also he mentioned it yeah, yeah and and neil what he has that's to his advantage he has just a great voice right I mean, <laughs> even if you're not looking at him his voice is you want to listen to him right and and he speaks from experience, and he's been through it. Well, he's been around for a long time. For a long time, and I, you know, he has a genuine love for Western Massachusetts and the country. Yeah, so we're lucky to. Why have are you him. looking over my shoulder? Who's here? Is oh, I like just watched a, Scott Hawkins. Okay. El cuckoo. payaso. What's going on? Do I should I need to be scared? No, no. So well. You know, at the end of the day, I'm glad it happened. It's unfortunate it happened the way that it did. Um, You're glad that it happened, that there's going to be a new building. That there's going to be a new home. And, you know, yeah. the staff was applauded because the staff have been really amazing. They killed it. They killed it. They yeah. just, 
Uh, the only criticism I have about their staff is not so much the staff, but the unions that represent them. What do you mean? Uh, like many unions uh, around this area, they've done a really poor job of collective bargaining and, and maintaining a competitive wage mm-hmm. for their employees mm-hmm. uh, versus the private sector. So th- there's a lot of people that I know in the nursing world that would never, who have particularly have told me that their their interest in helping veterans is great, but I would never work for the salaries that they offer there. Oh, they uh, offer less than, say, if you work at a hospital, yeah, base state or whatever. Yeah. You see, okay, then there's that. So that's so, but I put that squarely on. Well, the fact that you want a union, fine. That's 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 the people. But that's choice. not on the union. The union doesn't hold the money. No, the but the union, does. but the union, takes the time to bargain for mm-hmm. salaries. Mm-hmm. So that's on them. Okay. So I I do, I've been on both sides. I've been in a union and I've supervised people in unions. And if okay. if your employees are upset of their salaries. Mm-hmm. The union should be bargaining for different salaries That's right. and looking for desk audits or reviews of That's position right. descriptions for hire, and very rarely do they do they do that. Uh, so, yeah. I, oh yeah, love yeah. and hate them. Yeah, <laughs> it's the way yeah. it is. Yeah, but you know, yeah. like always, it's been a great conversation. Yeah, Maybe thank you, Jesus. That takes care of uh, episode four. Oh, okay. yeah. Let's see. You. We'll see you later. We'll see you later. Right.